Super Talk Mississippi media production. Another week, another college football expert here on the podcast, Cole Kublik, SEC Network, ESPN. There's nothing this guy doesn't do. And listen to this. If, if you are a college football fan and you want to talk about college football and you don't want to hear about all the other crap, the NIL, the expansion, listen to Cole's podcast, The Cube Show. That is a great college football podcast. I urge you to check it out. Cole, we'll start close to home for you. We'll start with Auburn. You know, I think back to Hugh Freeze's first year at Ole Miss, and and they were a much better football team coming out of that first year than they were going in, you know, after Houston Nutt. They were really competitive. They won some games they probably shouldn't have won. They went to a bowl game. Can he do the same thing year one at Auburn? Can they be not only, you know, a better team, but just a more competitive team in each and every phase of the game? Yes. And the main reason for that, Brian, is talent. I mean, he, it's funny, I was talking to, I saw Hugh twice last week at the Regions Golf Tournament in Birmingham. And then we did the Lutz and Kirkin event down in Sylacauga. I kind of caught him off guard when I said, Coach, you realize that there's a good chance that half of your starters are going to be out of the portal that you've gotten coming into this season. He kind of looked at me weird and I said, you know, not, not necessarily on one side of the ball, but when you're talking all 22, like the, there's a good chance half those guys could be out of the portal. And he's like, man, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you're right. So they've upgraded at least three spots on the offensive line. And I'm talking just from a talent perspective, maybe four. They've upgraded a quarterback, maybe not from an overall talent perspective, but of just knowing the position, how to play the position, being able to manage the offense. Um, you look at wide receiver, even though that's still a position of need, they've upgraded it. Tight end, upgraded it with Fairweather. They've upgraded the defensive line with Justin Rogers and a couple of those guys, linebacker with Austin Keys coming over. You've had you got two or three linebackers that are probably better than what they were going to have. So I, I think you're you're going to get guys that are just more capable on that football team, and then I think you'll bring a scheme in that is just let's be real, it, it's a little bit easier to be successful running that offense in today's college football than it is one a little bit more West Coast pro style based. You got to really have your guys to be able to run the kind of offense that the previous regime wanted to run. So, yes, I, I do think that that football team is, is going to be better than it was a year ago. Are, how much better are they going to be, you know, week 10 as opposed to week 2? Eh, I think depth obviously has something to do with that. So I, I don't know really if I would say that I, I, I feel comfortable that they're going to be a much better team later in the year than early. But start to finish, I, I think Auburn fans will probably be much more pleased with what they see on the field. What does what changes your expectations with bringing in Peyton Thorne? Does he does he add a win to the Auburn total for you? Uh, if not more, I think it's operation of the offense. And like I, I, I told Coach Freeze, we were joking around. And I said, the, you know what I'm most excited about with Peyton Thorne? And he kind of he looked at me and I said, kid's not afraid to take the check down. And then when we started our presentation. He like actually brought it up again. He's like, you know, Cole pointed this out earlier, and I, I hadn't thought about it. He said, but. He's like, the, you know, the check down is the girlfriend that never leaves you. And, like, you know, that, that, that's your safety valve. And he said, not being not being afraid to take that, there's a ton of value in it. And, and I know it sounds hokey and corny and people that doesn't get anybody excited, but it's real. If you'll, if you'll turn and just dump it off to the back and take your six or four or eight yards, like, that's going to get you a lot of second manageables, a lot of third manageables. And that keeps your offense on the field. So, I just think he understands all of it a little bit better than Robbie Ashford does right now. He's more accurate. He understands protections. He does a lot of the line of scrimmage. He's a two-year captain there at Michigan State. He's just going to bring a, a different dynamic to that locker room. And I think he's also going to cause competition. He hasn't been named a starter yet. 
we all believe that he will start, but Robbie Ashford can still go out there and push for it and battle for it, and maybe he becomes a better quarterback because of it. So uh, I, I think in a lot of ways he's going to add a lot of different things to not just the Auburn offense, but the Auburn football team. Let's go over to the SEC East for a second because I want to talk about Florida. That's who we're going to be looking at next week on our uh, our SEC preview. And, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I was really high on Billy Napier. I thought he could come in and get them going. But that year one, to, to go 6-7 and seven with a top-five draft pick is kind of weird, and I don't have a lot of expectations for them this year. What, what's Florida going to be in year two under Billy Napier? I don't know either. And, and I'm not really afraid to say I don't know. It was, it was interesting on my morning show with McElroy today. We talked about the top ten returning players in the SEC and just how there were no Florida players on anybody's list. And I think we could have gotten down to 18, 22, if not higher, Brian, before we would have gotten to a Florida player. Mm. Um, you know, especially up front on defense. Like, when was the last time that Florida didn't really have a guy on their front seven that truly scared you? That you just kind of looked at and said, God, I don't want to go against that guy. It's, they, they don't really have it right now. I mean, the Cam Jackson kid from Memphis is transferring in. If they can get him going on every play, you know, he can be a guy that's a problem. Obviously, you know, Prince Lee Umelain, uh at defensive end, he gives you some flashes, but he, he's not a guy that really scares me on every play. So, and then offensively, like, I, I actually don't, I'm not as down on Graham Mertz as a lot of other people are. I, I think he can be solid in that offense. And I think Montreal Johnson is a much better back than people give him credit for, but. You lose a couple of offensive linemen. I don't know how the transfers are going to fit in. You know, the kid that they got from Baylor can play, but he was in the portal, then out of the portal, staying, not staying. I don't know what his status is right now. You know, Damian George couldn't stay on the field at Alabama, so I'm not just going to automatically say that he's going to be, you know, a glass eater there in Florida. So, and you need offensive linemen to run that system. You just do. That's what you have to have. So, I, it's hard for me to look at them and say eight wins. The schedule, obviously, starting off at Utah, not easy. I would not want to play Tennessee early. If I had to play Tennessee, I'd want to play them late because I think death is still a problem there. Um, you know, at Kentucky is kind of early in the season. Don't love that uh, because, you know, that's that's one that has been a little bit of a headache for them recently, and I think the contrast and style of being sort of a blue-collar team that Kentucky is, is is not really what Florida's ready to face against right now. So, I mean, just look at the road schedule. At Missouri on November 18th, I hate that for for Florida any year, much less a year that they don't have a ton of talent. At LSU the week before, at South Carolina, at Kentucky, at Utah. I mean, just the road schedule alone probably tells you this is going to be rough. And then you go look at national championship contenders on the schedule. Florida State, LSU, Georgia. Some people might say Tennessee. Some people might say Utah. I mean, goodness gracious, if you get six, it's probably a pretty good year, to be honest with you. We'll put one right in your wheelhouse here. Who is the best offensive lineman in the SEC this season? Uh, we talked about that on the show today, too, because there were no offensive linemen in my top ten. Oh, my God, it's a um, huge upset that that didn't happen. It, 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 it really was. Uh, both, both My producer, Damian, and Greg were both shocked when, when that didn't happen. Mm. Cedric Van Prime would probably be in the mix, returning center at Georgia. Tyler Booker, guard at Alabama, would be in the mix. Um you know, Emory Jones, Will Campbell, two tackles at LSU, both look great last year. Uh, Dylan Wade could be. Pat Tulsa transfer at Auburn. I think he's got a chance to be. Like, Amarius Mims is going to be a great tackle in the SEC. Um, he's still got some room to grow there at Georgia. Uh, Javon Foster is a kid at, at, at Missouri, plays left tackle that nobody knows about, who I think is really good. I don't know if there is a best right now. I'd probably say Cedric Van Prons because I know everything he does for that offense and, and how he's played. 
when he's been in the Georgia uniform. But I, I think it's kind of a logjam of a bunch of guys towards the top that have a chance to be the best offensive lineman in the SEC. Like, J.C. Latham's the guy that everybody says, but, like, I'm not sold on him being the first tackle off the board just yet. So I'm, I'm not real sure who that is right now. Let's stay with the line, but we'll go to Mississippi State now. We had Jacob Hester on with us last week, and he said his biggest question about Mississippi State is how the offensive line transitions from the air raid to a more run-heavy style of offense. So I'll ask you, because you know, how do they make that transition? What's going to be the biggest key for them? Learning how to block stretch zone. I mean, that's, that's it. And it's, it's, it's not a whole lot different than what some of them had to do um, a couple of years ago when they had to learn the vertical pass set 70 times a game. I mean, they're going to go from basically the same pass set 60, 70 times a game to now run an outside zone 30 to 40 times a game. And those are very different worlds to live in, very different. Um, now, I, I don't think from a conditioning standpoint or anything like that it's going to be a problem because they've, they've played a lot of snaps. But it's just you're, you're being asked to do different things. And – you know, it is interesting. I think there, there's an advantage that they have with their offensive line coach and Will Friend because, you know, they, they wanted to get that going his first year at Auburn and they kind of couldn't get it going so they didn't run it as much. And there's going to be a lot of more emphasis on it year two and they got better at it. So I think him recently being inside of a scheme that sort of had to learn it and had to, had to develop into it, I think that gives him some advantages in coaching it. But there is a feel to the zone play that you have to have continuity, you know, rhythm, understanding where guys are going to be, who you need to help, how much you need to help them, when you can leave, when not to leave. And those things only come with snaps, Brian. you you got to do it and do it together. And I, the only way to get good at it is do it against guys that are trying to make you look bad. I mean, doing it full speed. And there's not a ton of full speed reps in college football right now. So I, that's a group that I could easily see. Week two and three, people are like, oh, man, that's not as good as I thought it was going to be. And then week eight, nine, ten, people kind of saying, man, that state offensive line was pretty damn good. Uh, because it's just, it's, you've got to get game reps and high level practice reps to get good at it. And this, let's be honest, they're not going to get a ton of practice reps with it because that's not how college football operates anymore. This may be an overly simplistic question, but is it an easier transition to go from what they were doing under Mullen Moorhead to the air raid? Or is it an easier transition to go from the air raid to what they want to do this year? Mullen to the air raid. Really? Because keep in mind, a lot of the stuff that they were doing under Dan Mullen was, you know, position blocks, shifts, things like that. So the physical portion of it wasn't always as demanding as what I think this is going to be. Uh, you know, they're, they're still they're going to run some duo. They're going to run counter power. But the stretch zone is going to be a lot of where they live. I mean, they, they want that to be the foundation of this offense. It's, whether you look at it with – you know, Dwayne Ledford at the Falcons and how he runs it, or, you know, Satterfield when he was at Louisville, or even kind of go, you know, BYU Baylor, how that's Morris with Grimes. You know, they all, it's all built around the stretch zone concept. And it's just, it's, it's hard. I mean, I, I can tell you, here, we went from Terry Bowden, who ran isolation run play, yet with a fullback, but at the same time, we wanted to be a spread team. Yes, we, we had, we were, we were schizophrenic. We had personality disorder in that offense because, you know, he wanted to be eye formation run right at you, but then he wanted to be his dad and have, you know, Charlie Ward running around back there. You can't be both those things at the same time. And But I, once Tuberville came in, our normal zone, we were, we were a zone team. And we weren't great at it year one. We got a lot better at it late in the season, kind of like what we were just talking about. Uh, but then all of a sudden, year two, it's like we knew exactly how it worked, exactly how to manage it. We knew – 
when to come off of a combo block, when to go help a guy from the backside. We understood that the defender could slant at any moment, and we had to be ready to pick him up. You know, how to not open up too much or how to gain some depth with your step. All those things come over time. So uh, it's just I think there are a lot more intricate details that are going to be necessary in what they're going to do now. I mean, listen, that pass set, it's tough to learn. And, yeah, there are different ways to take it at times, but it's essentially the same thing. So once you do it, you do it. And think about, we talked about reps. Think about how many times they took that pass set in practice. That's one thing an offensive lineman can do. You can go take your pass set and work against guys. You can actually get better that way. It's tough to get better at run blocking without being in full pads. Like, yeah, I can work my wide step and your depth and different things like that, how to keep your base, but it's just to truly get better at it, you need to be doing it full speed. And so I think going from what Mullen was doing to what Leach did, there is, there's an easier step as to you're only you're, you're not going to do as many things that are totally different. But in this offense, you're going to be doing some things that are totally different, and those things can change on the fly. And those are what you really have to get good at if you're going to master being able to run this offense. Do you like the fit of Will Rogers in this offense? I don't know yet. I mean, I like Will Rogers in general um, just because I think he's accurate. I think he understands timing. Um, you know, I think I think the spring game was a perfect example of it. I mean, you watch his first four or five throws, and you're like, holy hell, this is going to be bad. But then you watch his last four or five throws, and you're like, okay, he's going to be fine. Like, he understands when to get the ball out, where to put the ball. I, I am very anxious to see Will Rogers with a good running game because he takes me as a guy that off play action, like understanding what's probably going to be there, what should be there. And then not having to see every, like not having to see a receiver already be open, but how to anticipate where to put the ball, like coming off a of play action and knowing, all right, we got one on one right there. Like I'm putting this over the front shoulder on a corner route five yards away from the sideline. Like I think he can do that. And I think that he's going to need reps. Yeah, it's going to take time. But I think he's a guy that could run any offense. I mean, I just, I, I think he's dedicated. I think he's accurate. He has a strong enough arm. Like, no, he doesn't have Anthony Richardson or Will Levis's arm, but he's got a strong enough arm to be able to make all the throws. And he just, he understands football. So I'm, I'm anxious to watch it. Uh, I don't, I don't know exactly how great he's going to be in it, but I wouldn't bet against Will Rogers just because of what I've already seen with him. Should be interesting stuff. Cole Kublik, I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for coming on. All good, man. Thanks for having me. Always fun. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.